Welcome to Legends of Greyskull, the podcast that dives deep into the mythology of Masters of the Universe, with your hosts, Matthew Dooch and Sean Scavana. News, reviews, remasterings, and more are just ahead on Legends of Greyskull. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 99 and three quarters. Yeah, we'll do that. Of Legends of Grayskull, the fan podcast where we discuss the history, the mystery, the magic, and mythology of He-Man, Shira, Eternia, Theria, Nordor, Primus, <laughs> New Adventures, Old Adventures, Ladybird, UK, Annuals, Mini Comics, Comics, anything and everything you can think of with that He-Man, Shira, Masters of the Universe, Princess of Power! <laughs> that Mattel logo down in the corner. I'm Matthew Dooch. Here again was Sean Skavarna. Sean, how are we doing today? It went slow. <laughs> but anyway, it caught up to you. And I'm going to echo one. I'm turning it down. <laughs> I was just trying it out. I have new goodies, and I'm, I'm happy to play with them for this episode, finally. I like it. I like it. Oh, boy. Sean's got the pro mic. He's We're working on this. We said million podcasts now. No, 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 no. I'm I'm happy to be invited, is all. But no, I'm I'm uh, I, I subbed in for a Skillivator when he was uh, sick recently, and they're like, "Hey, join us," and I'm like. Oh, I thought I was fired. <laughs> it's like it's kind of like when we started ours. I'm like, you want me back? You want an episode two? Okay, let's try it. Again. Let's see if it keeps going. So yeah, and here we are. Here we Nearly are. Nearly 100 episodes. Nearly. <laughs> Again, folks. We just won't is... officially call it. <laughs> Wait, we are not at episode 100. 99 and three quarters. Yeah. We got big plans for episode 100. The problem is, man, Masters is just churning lately. Mm hmm. Um, we've talked about this before, but like, it's just, we can't wait till episode 100. And we're going to do it proper. We got big plans. Um, but yeah, we, we, you have to cover some stuff. Because mm-hmm. also, I don't want episode 100 to just be the news and the recent stuff. Like, episode 100 is going to transcend all of that. So, mm-hmm. so knock it off. Quit putting new stuff out there so we can have a 100th episode. For the love yeah. of God. Just give, a, give us a breather. <laughs> Come on, Mattel. <laughs> So what you been up to? Anything exciting? Good pickups? Anything? No pick. I, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll air my grievances really quickly because you know them. But I want to, I want to share it on here because it's been driving me crazy. So I bought something on eBay, uh, and it was sent out a week ago Monday. And Is this Masters item? It's it's Mythic Legions instead of Masters. Well, then you're but, on the wrong podcast, yeah, Sean. I'm on the wrong podcast. You've got 50 <laughs> billion D other podcasts. Steve, but we're going to talk Mythic. <laughs> They're really weird about that for some reason. 
No, but um, that was supposed to be something that would come in. And last Wednesday it was supposed to be here. It is literally a week today that it should have arrived. And my tracking keeps saying awaiting delivery scan. And I don't know what the heck is going on, but that is where I am with anything new. I am awaiting a delivery scan. (laughs) So I got onto a truck. Apparently. In parts unknown, wherever you live. Yes. Sean Sean doesn't even tell me where he lives. He's very private. Um, There's sunshine where I live, at least. I got that going for me today. Well, that that narrows it down (laughs) a lot because we've had snow and uh, rain. That's about it. So it's sitting somewhere on a truck and made it to your local PO. Yep. And now you just have to wait. I got to wait, apparently. And I was looking up stuff last night, and the uh, the places that I was looking up, they're like, that at least shows that it's in, it's it's within the network. Like, it, right. it, like they, they have it in their possession somehow. Yeah. And so I can't give up hope, but after a freaking week of knowing it was literally probably near my doorstep last yeah. Wednesday, and nothing has happened since then, and I've gone to the post office and bugged them twice, and each time it's, well, we can't do anything until 10 days after. And I'm like, All right. really? Days. I love Get it. Get an update on 99 yeah. and 99.666, yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, uh, that's yeah. Other than that, uh, the only other pickup is uh, something we're going to talk about today. So. All right. Yeah, and at least... How about you? You know, it's it's not as bad as when it shows departed New York and then mm-hmm. it just never gets another scan where it yeah. could literally be anywhere in the country. Yeah. Like, at least it was there. And it's it, on it one was. of their trucks somewhere. I remember one time back in the days, well, they're still around, but Redbox. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, back when video stores were still a thing, streaming was nothing. And I remember I I was reaching for some something fell like in between the seats, and I reached down in there mm-hmm. and I pull it out, but I feel something else. And I remember reaching back down in and pulling out a red box DVD mm-hmm. and being like when did I rent this? <laughs> and that thing ended up costing me like 15 bucks. Cause it was mm-hmm. like two weeks. Like I had, I knew it wasn't recent. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I pulled out. I'm like, we haven't rented this recently. <laughs> so yeah, you know, Redbox, they don't, officially charge until you return it like they do the one night but then any of the additionals so it's like i had to go return it and then that hit and i'm like we could have darn near bought that that dvd exactly good times so i'm assuming (laughs) 
that's what happened with your package is like it rolled under the seat and eventually the guy's going to clean out his truck and be like, Oh, look at that. I I'll tell you what, I would like that to be the case, but I'd like it to be the case like today. And that's, <laughs> I, I have never ever bought something and had it sent to me, shipped to me. And I'm waiting this long through my post office. Like this yeah. is the very first time this has ever happened. And I've been buying stuff like collecting wise. I've been buying stuff for uh, what? Seven years this year. Right. And never has this kind of thing happened. And the thing that bugs me the most is this is a figure that while not complete, it will complete a figure I have. Therefore, it's not like these are pieces that I'm going to come by easily because the figure I'm trying to complete is one of the very first waves of Mythic Legions. Right, right. And, you know, like for me to try to get that piece, uh, the pieces I'm looking for, and granted, they're not pieces that, uh, like, Jesse's already helped me a little bit with completing the figure, but there was that part of me that kept itching at the back of my mind. But you still don't have that piece, even though he did that for you. I'm, I'm right. weird. My OCD kicks in a little bit too much. <laughs> and I saw a way of doing it, but I'm still going to display it with Jesse's work because right. I really like what he did. I just want it in my in my uh, weapons catalog, you know, and all that stuff. But that's what I get for doing that, I guess. That's like maybe Jesse took it and he's like, no, you're going to keep what I had. And that's the end of this. He's not that guy, though. So no. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. yeah, we're all so. rooting for you. <laughs> That's what my wife says when, when she leaves for work. We're all rooting for you. Go hit, go hit some more deadlines so we can keep the house another month. So yeah, <laughs> we do like keeping houses. Uh, well, I had a fun trip this past yeah. Saturday. I got to go up to Muskecon. Yeah, Muskecon. That earworm just gets stuck I, in your head. I won't do it because I won't. I won't even give it remotely the amount of uh, talent that Jeremy Dewitt had. <laughs> so believe me. But no, it was a, it was a fun show, a local show. I I still feel it's local up in Muskegon, Michigan, and got to see a lot of great people: Jeremy Dewitt, Steve Bashadi. Um, Motu Joe, I got this shirt from Retro Rags that Motu <laughs> Joe and Russ run. I did get to meet Russ as well. Um, Joe Crazy Bill, uh, lots, just a lot, too many, honestly. I mm-hmm. mean, there were just so many people that I met or got to catch up with. Old Man Kyle, Ben Talmadge, they were all there. Um, Jason Boonstra, oh, he's a crazy man. Um, <laughs> Probably the most uh, fun, yeah, I'll go fun, uh, meet up there. And luckily he came up to me because he doesn't use an actual profile picture on Facebook, is Jay Mack, who mm-hmm. has been a long time supporter of our show, and yeah, we got to we got to geek out for a few minutes there. Um, I got to see what he looks like. He doesn't look like Roboto, despite <laughs> his profile picture. Yeah, <clears throat> but yeah, it was just 
a lot of fun. Jay, it was great meeting you. And, you know, um, it was fun getting recognized. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. Um, I had quite a few people who were just come up to me, you know, hey, the douche, the douche. all that. So it was a fun show. But Jay Mac's a good guy. He was there with his son. Uh, I saw some other pictures he posted. It looks like he had a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, but lots of fun. So I picked up the shirt. Um, I didn't pick up too much. Most of the time I was just chatting. Um, but I did get my single carded Pitorian, Uwit, uh-huh. and uh, Pelvicus Lord Bushadi. Mm-hmm. So I can display all four now. Um, I did. No, the Prince. Um, I did finally get to pick up this print, which was mm-hmm. actually Nate Barch's PowerCon exclusive print that Jesse was kind enough to get for me. He gave it to Rodriguez, and this was the first time me and Rodriguez had had a chance to hook up. So mm-hmm. got the got that from Rodriguez. Um, and then from Jeremy, I got prints of his Masters of the Universe power, <laughs> his Thundercats, yeah. Roar, Knockoff. <laughs> I love it. The trolling he did with that one. Um, and I remember, did, he, didn't he do that and it went viral because yeah, people were scared? He actually that. posted it like, yeah. hey, coming soon. And everyone yeah. was like, no. Yeah. And that's why I like it. I like it because of the trolling factor. Like I yeah. do not I do not want to see this show. No. No. But as a Jeremy DeWitt print, hell yeah. yeah. Sign me up. Agreed. <laughs> oh, and then I also got from Jeremy the uh his Beastie Kong mm-hmm. uh print for our audio listeners. That's uh Donkey Kong, colored as Beastman. And he actually did a lot of background work, too, where mm-hmm. it's like He-Man going up the ladders with Tila, you know, captured, and hover cool. robots rolling like barrels and everything. Nice. So, yeah, some great stuff there by Jeremy. Um, and then, of course, I did get to see Matt Rodriguez, and he gave me an awesome uh, Defenders of Eden print. Nice. And then I also picked up issue three of Defenders of Eden from him, mm-hmm. which I forgot to kickstart, apparently. And I didn't realize it until they'd already shipped. So my mm. Defenders of Eden collection is complete again. Yeah, I want to say I'm, I might have missed that one, too, because that was when things were not kosher here financially. So I was like, <laughs> well, I got, you know, unfortunately, I wanted to support it, but. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's inescapable, unavoidable. Yeah, I don't know. It just kind of—I don't remember when it was, but it, it must have just flown under the yeah. radar, like that. Like I remember promoting it myself. Like I was mm-hmm. like, "Hey guys," but then yeah. I never actually went in and did it. But we also had that discussion. Uh, All Stars Five Fanatic yeah. Legions is starting <laughs> to ship direct, and the retailers are. April 1st for their street date. And I went around and looked and I realized I don't have any of them on Mm pre-order. Like same thing. I'm just like, I remember I couldn't 
get them directly from the horsemen. But I could have sworn I pre-ordered from somewhere, but I've checked every site that I've ever pre-ordered from, and I don't have any. So, again, it just kind of slipped under the radar, and I forgot about it. And luckily, I realized before the actual street date and stuff starts selling out. Um, Real quick here, I do want to play me and Matt. We spent a ton of time with Matt. At the show, after the show, um, I drove him home afterwards. And mm-hmm. I'll just leave it up to the audience's imagination <laughs> how all that went. But it was a good night. Um, his wife, Rachel, was there as well. Toy Huntress. Um, slinging around some ideas. Uh, he'll ignore all of my ideas. Or he'll come back in six months and say, what a great idea he had. You know, classic Mm -hmm. Rodriguez. But uh, while we were there, we filmed a nice promotional video for his Armies of Ashmore line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Enjoy. Yeah. Where is our theme song? <laughs> Where is our theme song? Legends Matt of Ryan. Grayskull. It's Legends of Grayskull. Defenders of Eden. Why don't you listen right now? <laughs> so real quick, Sean, I don't want to divert the whole episode. And obviously we're going to really dig in with Matt about this toy line. But where are you at on this? Just kind of at the process right now. Um, I, I don't, I don't personally want all of them, unfortunately, but there are definitely ones I want. So when, uh, well, I mean, here's the thing. And, and a lot of people don't know this. The figures are actually like, if you, if you, uh, collect mythic legions, they're brute scale figures. So they're bigger. They're like nine inch figures. And I think he said that the, the other one was like a 12 inch almost with the neck. Yep. And I had it in that video. I got Mythic Legions there, and yep. and classics and everything. I mean, they tower. Yeah, above every, all those figures. I mean, these are these are big guys. Yes. And if I remember right, the price point somewhere around like sixty or sixty five a figure. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens because he is going to be launching the Kickstarter uh, next month. But April twenty fifth, twenty fifth. He Monday just announced after it. Tulip City. Yeah, he just announced it, I, I want to yep. say, yesterday or today. Um, I really want those Triceratops ones. Those are, those are my must-haves. And then if I get anything else, that's just, you know, mm-hmm. gravy at that point, which I hate saying that, but that's only where they came to my head right then. But, uh, yeah, those two in particular really, really wow me. And the other ones are still great, but I just, like triceratops dinosaurs for the most part and those really speak to me the most so uh when i support the kickstarter those will be the ones i'm gunning at and then uh i know he said it about like if you get them all there's discounts and stuff like that check out the kickstarter when it starts we'll promote it on our page on the facebook page and I'm sure we'll have him on to talk about it during the campaign because you know he's a friend of the show and everything and uh, uh, but yeah, 
I'll so. throw it out there now. If you are in the area, Tulip City Comic and Toy Fair is April 23rd, right up in Holland, Michigan. That is Matt Rodriguez's own show. Mm-hmm. And he has said, though, that's the last show he's going to take these paint masters to. So if you want to take a look at these prototype paint masters and you're mm-hmm. in the area, make sure you hit up that show. And then he'll have all the information for the Kickstarter because it, it hits the Monday after the con. So it'll yep. roll right in. Um, and he said uh, after that, these guys are just going in, in, well, he said in a case. So I'm hoping it's my cases. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're still <laughs> di- we're still discussing that. Yeah, working but out yeah. things. Yeah, I mean, stuff. and you can already see... You know, no knock against them, just like it is what they are. Like, there is some, I mean, they're held together by blue tech. Yep. You know, and they're not meant to be pulled out all the time. They're, they're proof of sculpting, proof of paint, you know, that's what they're for. Yeah. They are extremely fragile pieces. Uh, but he got the, uh, he let me help take them apart. It was a lot of fun. I got to drop some more pictures because I, I took a ton of them, especially when he let me start taking them apart because I was able to get some nice close-ups of, like, the tails and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, But, yeah, make sure you're following all that. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I think he'll have no problem getting this funded. No, he's gotten a lot of good word of mouth out there. Um, For sure. In general, and I mean, it also doesn't hurt. The four horsemen are the the geniuses yep. behind helping him to create this toy line. Yep, they sculpted so them. They, they hooked sculpted them up with their factory. Them. Yeah, all of it. They're, all the bells and whistles that they can give their lines, he will be getting in his line because they're helping him out. And yep. uh, so, as far that was another thing. The minute he said that the horsemen were involved, I'm like, take my money because I know the quality, I know the product that they produce. And I, I, I've been a fan since 2000X, so absolutely. And you've been in on Defenders of Eden since the Mm -hmm. Kickstarter. Yeah, I have, I have the, uh, the, I don't think I have the third issue, but I have the first two issues because I missed it. The third Kickstarter, but yeah, I, and, and it really is, if you're a Masters fan, look it up, check it out. It's, it's a fun read. You can completely see his love for masters coming through in that book, yep. uh, through the story and the designs and everything. And he also has people in the masters community from like the back in the org days and yep. everything too. They're helping him with the book as well and, and, uh, well, and colors and art. So. And like I told J Mac, um, I think he did end up picking up the set because he had the books for sale there. Uh, I told him, I said, any Masters fan is going to love Defenders of Eden. And a lot of those characters were created as fan-made Motu characters back in the org days that Matt bought the rights to and is Mm -hmm. now using them here. And so it's, for me, for being an old org guy from the message boards, it's like, oh, I remember that creation and that, you know. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's a great 
testament to the fandom and the fans and the property, and it's mm-hmm. it's great. And one other quick thing, too, is this Kickstarter he's about to do with the toys. This is your gateway drug into more toys based on that book. Right. So if you get the book, you're going to see the future of the toy line right in front of you on the pages. And the cool thing is it's not all dinosaurs. We're we're talking there's, there's good guys, there's bad guys. There's tech guys, there's sorcery people, you know, all this stuff. And it's like if you if you start with this, you are going to see some of these things down the, down the road, which is really cool because it really does feel if, – if you're missing something in your life with your collection, this might fill that need because it does have that master's – sidestep sort of a vibe to it which is really cool yeah and he was actually warning guys about that at the con he's like the guys that were buying the books he's like hey just so you know this is just one small aspect of the overall defenders of eden story Mm -hmm. but it's a way for him to get this line started do five guys with shared tooling as far as the major body parts and then he'll be able to expand as the line goes on because yeah it's not it's not all dinosaurs oh yeah lots of fun stuff to explore uh the one i probably should have led with this uh, right when i got to muskegon van dyke mortgage convention center downtown muskegon Right across from Dr. Rolf's Barbecue, which was amazing. You should, everybody should go there and get the platter of meat. Awesome. But I, I go in. And it's like a, it's a two and a half hour drive. So, of course, me being an old man, first thing I do, walk in, need a bathroom. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> So I head in, and of course, first people I see in the bathroom, Mr. Jeremy DeWitt and Mr. Pete McCarthy. <laughs> well, I guess we should have said Pete runs Muskecon. This is his yes. show. Um, Pete McCarthy, also a host of My Wife is Gonna Kill Me. So they're both there. Hug them, what's up, you know, secret handshake. And I go to do my thing. And, of course, as soon as I go to do my thing at the stall, the urinal, of course, Mr. Pete McCarthy does the only thing anyone can do. And he comes up behind me and starts humping me. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, this has been a great experience. I might as well go now because nothing's going to top this. (laughs) I started it off right. And I ended it right. So, uh, well, like uh, the first Legions Con Jesse and I went to, we were trying to get a a picture. It was it was me and uh, Jesse with Steve trying to get a, a picture, sure. and Pete was Pete was right there, and he's like, "Oh yeah, sure, I'll take a picture," and and he just starts clicking away, and and we're all like, "Did you get the picture?" And he goes, 
What? No, I've been taking selfies, and I get my phone back, and there's yeah, sure. all these photos of him <laughs> just making random faces. And uh, I love like, it. Well, at least there's one photo of me with Steve, but there's all these photos of Pete all over my phone. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's the kind of guy he is. Yes. He put yes. on an amazing show. I I loved it. They were good. You know, there was concessions. It was packed. I mean, just wave after wave of people. Um, so really good show. Can't recommend it enough. And then we ended the whole night with uh, drinks at a local bar restaurant with pretty much everybody from that area, as well as uh, Cornboy and Jim from the Four Horsemen. So nice. yeah, it was it was a good time, a very good time. Uh, oh yeah, and I think. Curtis Ackerman might have been there. He might have been there. (laughs) He's such a wallflower. You never know when he's going to be there. Yeah. I'm kidding, Curtis. I love you. Um, So let's go ahead. Let's shake it up uh, a little bit. And I also like to keep our spoiler material for the end. I think people have been liking that. So in a minute here, we'll go over issue number two of Masterverse. But before that, let's see, you put out a late, late Well, I did, yeah, thing. I did a late night one that didn't go anywhere on our uh, Legendati group, which is fine, uh, you know. Yeah, but then but, you did one um, like an hour ago. I did so. one not too long ago on our regular one, and I think the look on my face scared people away. But anyway, so... But yeah, let's let's run through those, and then we'll get into the spoiler stuff. Well, there it, there isn't much, so we're going to be fast yeah. and furious into the other stuff. Let's do it. So, oh, real quick, actually, that reminds me. We had tabled one of these questions from a previous episode. I oh, think it was the Curtis. actual 99. Was it Curtis? Yeah. Yeah, forget that it was, then. We don't even have to explain. It was the one. It was the no, one. Uh, we're we're in, involved yes. with the toy line. What character do we create? Right. And then, unfortunately, because we're flying by the seat of our pants, neither one of us have gotten into that one yet. Well, either. no, I was going to say, Curtis, we did not forget about it. That is going to be part of episode 100. So, we, we took that question that's going to be an episode 100. We're not to 100 yet. So we haven't gotten to the next episode yet. So, but we haven't forgotten. All right. So, all right. Jay Gravat. Was that right? Gravat. I thought it was Gravat. Gravat, Gravat, Gravat. Gravat. Okay, I'll, I'll go with Gravat. Yeah, Gravat. Sorry. Listen, I, don't I did it again. I say it different every time. Gravate? No, I, I said gravate. Gravate. <laughs> it sounds like something on like a Mexican Gravote. dish, you know? Like I want some gravate with with a He's side like, of sour cream and uh and guac, you know, or whatever. He's All like, right, forget um, these guys. I'm not talking to them anymore. It's, it's it's amazing that he actually chimes in when he does, but uh, he <laughs> is he is quite good about that, and I, I give him credit for that all the time. So uh, he says, I'd like to hear both of your thoughts on the state of the franchise and where you'd like to see it go from here. Ooh. A spe- I, I get it. 
there's a lot of doom and gloom, which makes no sense to me. For me, I think the franchise is the healthiest it's been in decades, honestly. I mean, we're literally 20 years from 2002, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Origins, Masterverse, Mega Constructs. Um, you know, you've got all these statues, all this, the boss, like all this extra stuff pops. And then you've got, you've got the Masterverse comic book. I mean, you've got two shows on Netflix, a movie, allegedly. Like, I, I think we're good for right now. (laughs) What? Where I would like to see it go, um, get the movie out. Whatever you end up doing, animated, live action, I don't care. I have my preferences, but at this point, just do it. Get a movie out there and go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would like to see an actual monthly comic book, something that's not an event or, you know, a crossover, like just, let's just do, you not even like Eternity War, which I still feel was very much a, oh, they even called it a maxi series at the time. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I just want a monthly book that's geared toward us longtime fans, you know, and mm-hmm. and stick to some classic mythology and go from there. I I I'd have to agree that I think the line the brand itself um it's it's really gotten a lot more attention and you know it's more vi- more visible than it's been in decades other than I mean, 2000X definitely gave it a shot, but they got the rope pulled out from under them too too quickly, in my opinion. But yeah, I mean, the amount of different things coming out, like like you're saying, the the busts, the the statues, Mondo. I mean, Mo- yeah, I Mondo's Battle Cat was like one of the most talked about pieces of anything I've seen in quite a while. And then people were like, you know, hemming and hawing even last week or whatever when Trapjaw. Yep. The, the pre-order and that hit. Um, and, and if we have stuff like that that are that are coming out and we have different people doing their own takes on this as well, because Tweeterhead is not Mondo, Mondo is not Mattel, and all this, I, I feel like there is still health in the line for that reason, because there are people out there who want to see maybe a re-envisioned version of mm-hmm. You know, like the Mondo's doing their take on that, and it's like that's sweet. Oh my god, that's cool. Or if it doesn't work for you, hey, Tweeterhead's got some stuff going on over here, or you know, whatever. Um, and with the different toy lines, CGI, Masterverse, uh, and Origins, and everything, I mean, yeah, I'm just, I mean, even in the last week or two, I'm seeing an uptick on at least on my Facebook feed of people that are putting out classic stuff again. Yep. And that was kind of like, Oh, okay. Cause I barely hear about it. The prices on these things 
uh, I, I know we've talked about it privately. The bottom fell out of that, uh, unless you're talking about like Fisto or Scarabloat yeah. still in those characters. But I mean, you know, even that line still is bringing people to all of this. And then we have the shows, we have the 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 comic. I mean, comic one, you know, for yeah. right now. But I wouldn't mind seeing um, seeing a monthly as long. I'm also one of those people where I want the creative team to be a good creative team. Right. So if they put out a comic, like if they got Eddie Nunez to do the yes. interiors, I would eat it up every freaking month. If it was someone that I didn't know and I had to adjust to their their uh, aesthetics or whatever, that might be a little harder to sell. Um, but yeah, I... I the the thing about the the comic, not spoiling anything, but the thing about the comic for me is, the comic is even showing different ways this could go. Yep. And I'm one of those people at this point where I know the chapter and verse of what we already grew up with. So expand that idea to me. Show right. me a version of it that is going to be something like CGI. I had no idea how the story was going to go. And it made me excited again to want to see those stories. So now, you know, if they could do a comic series where I don't know everything going into yep. this, and here it is that each month I'm really excited to pick it up to see where it goes, that's a win. As far and as I'm real quick, that's what I meant. I meant like rooted, like where we pick it up and we're like, yes, this is He Man. Mm -hmm. But. I don't want to see a new comic of Dragon Invasion and Curse of the Spellstone. Like, same yeah. thing. I want Take it into a new way, but just don't look at it as having to be an end-of-the-universe way or, you know what I mean? Like, let's just have some adventures with He-Man in a more classic mythology. Well, that that is the beauty of... I, I feel weird championing this book, but it, it, that is the beauty of this multi, uh, the Masterverse comic yes. right now for me is it, it's the baseline is what we know, but then the branching out of the variables and the potential. Exactly. It's like, I'd almost be interested in them exploring some of these vignette stories they're doing as a three or five issue series. Yep. And getting into some of these worlds because some of them actually deserve to be gone back to and really given the rules, the the mythology of that world. Like issue one in particular, the um, the the darker story, the one of uh, Castle, uh, he becomes uh, Grayskull, Grayskull man. instead of He-Man. That's a story where I'm like, there's a lot going on there that I would want to come back and reread this. Is it by He-Man? No. But it's a cool concept. Exactly. And, you know, it's like I I would be in if they did some of these as, you know, miniseries. But I would also really want to see here's a traditional He-Man comic mm -hmm. book and just run with it for a year or two yep. and build up the mythology. Do a 2000X story where it does build on itself. But you can have those issues where you take a step out of the main story and have, you know, a one-off issue or whatever, too. Agreed, agreed. Any other questions? Uh, I guess to round, round this up, because I actually, my, my thing will kick in in a second here anyway for my kids. Um, all right, Jesse Arnold. Um, okay. 
Motu figures are generally beefcakes, he says in quotes. Beefcakes. I do love beefcakes. mean? Huh? I love <laughs> beefcakes. He loves beefcakes. Does, does this mean they are cakes made of beef? Or are they beef-shaped cakes? I have not slept a wink since this thought has entered my mind. I always <laughs> took it to mean they are cakes made of beef. Like, mm. they look really good, you know. <laughs> and then when you dig into them, they're just pure meat. Like, mm. they're, you know, <laughs> they're pure muscle. So I'll take that. That'll I've be my answer, too. That's a great answer. Good with that. I just want to do that. There we go. <laughs> Thank you, Jesse, for the wonderful and insightful question. All right, guys. Thanks for all those wonderful questions. We appreciate it. Um, but now, this time, I got the physical copy this week. You got the physical copy. I'm still on Comixology with mine. So. And it was, there was only one copy left of number two after I took this one. So mm-hmm. I don't know what quantity these guys are ordering but whatever they're ordering they're selling so Mm -hmm. that is definitely a good sign so issue number two picks up right where we left off with the wraparound you know zodak sorceress Uh, we get to see a few alternate zodaks Uh, we see strobo we see the Zodak. I pronounced it with a K there. From 2000X. And then a female cosmic enforcer. Mm-hmm. That was a fun little thing. I actually prefer this way than like Zodak and Zodak being in the same universe, you know? Mm-hmm. It just Yeah, I, I'm fine with that. Um and, and you've already schooled me on that. I think it was like an episode or two back where it, they aren't the same character anyway because their skill sets are not the same. He is not a cosmic enforcer in 2000X. He's more of like a mystic yeah. uh, warrior. Well, he's there. Yeah. Cosmic but he's, a, enforcer, but he's, he's not. He's like in the Himalayas, yep. you know, having his mantras and zoning out and, you know, all that. I'm sure he's into incense and stuff. But, uh, right. You know, it, it compared to, you know, chair-sitting, Metron-esque uh, Zodak the way that we knew him for all these years. Yeah. No, completely agree. So we've got... I should have started with the credits. So we got the Freeman story. Script is all by Tim Seeley. Yep. In the Framing story, we had the art by Eddie Nunez, color art by Rico Renzi, and letters by Darone Bennett. The first story, East of Eternos, art by E.J. Sue, uh, color art by Michael Wiggum, and letters by Daron Bennett. And then the second story is Man-at-Arms for Hire, with art by Victor Santos, and letters by Daron Bennett. Hmm, they don't list a colorist there. Weird. Uh, your standard cover is Eddie Nunez with Rico Renzi. Variant cover B 
EJ Sue, and variant cover C, Victor Santos. So, East of Eternos. Um, I felt that this was a very simple sword, mm-hmm. but it also set up a lot of potential. So, um, basically, the story is that uh, Prince Adam is a general in the army of Eternos, and uh, can't talk today. Uh, King Randor rules still. His uncle Keldor is the Grand Vizier, and they're chasing the legend of the Power Sword. So, uh, he sends Adam on this mission along with man-at-arms and a captured foreigner, uh, who we know as Jitsu. He says he's from uh, Gratori, which is a hermit nation. And they're looking for the Isle of Grayskull and the power that lies within. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the story is pretty straightforward. It doesn't really... No, it doesn't really. It, it's not like uh, the the Grayskull Man one, where all of a sudden it's like, "What?" By the horror of Grayskull, and then boom, you go into this like, "Oh, okay." Now, it, this one's just like, "Here's point A, here's point B, we get there." And yep. uh, I, I'd say the only thing that's a curveball for anybody, if you aren't in the know about it, uh, the new Eternia um, Jitsu yep. has this in his bio. He is not in league with Skeletor, so in this one, it's Adam working with him, and and they did do a, a pretty good job of of doing the whole idea of. It almost made me feel like like um, the way that the Marvel universe sees Wakanda. I think like Eternos and everything is insular, and they yep. weren't welcoming to a foreigner coming in there and trying. He talks about you know I. I um I I learned about your culture and I learned about how to to salute and how to do you know the 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 languages you use and this and that and I was not welcome with open arms and all this stuff and I do like how this this could have been a really interesting story fleshed out even in that part of it to me yeah um, they gave enough to let you know Adam wasn't happy with the way that Jitsu was explaining his experience where he is because I don't think Adam wants to be uh, insular. I, it, it, he strikes me as whatever my dad is saying, maybe this isn't the best way to go. He, he's got that vibe about him, but they don't really get into that. It's, no, it's, everything's it's such a quick journey kind of a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they get attacked by a sea serpent, and Jitsu thinks that Am's going to leave him there to die, but he actually ends up saving him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely the vibe is... I actually was reminded of kind of the Texera era of com- mini-comics, because okay. it's kind of like where there is an established Eternos with a king, but like outside of there. You know, Randor mm-hmm. doesn't rule Eternia. He rules mm-hmm. Eternos. And yeah. everything outside of that is, like you said, it's either we're, we're wary of that or they're outright enemies. Yeah. And 
Jitsu's got the street rat backstory where he's like, I've I've worked my whole life to leave Gratori and I wanted to visit Eternos. I learned your language and all this, you know, your customs. But he was turned away and shunned and he stole a single apple <laughs> from the marketplace and he was sentenced to prison in Point Dread. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. <laughs> That's about the only thing. I'm like, hey, we're laying it on pretty thick there. Like, well, I, I knew from the New Eternia bio that it's like a thief, but he's not. But it's more of a gray area. But I'm like, really, we went with a single apple. Mm-hmm. Like, he couldn't have even been like a Robin Hood character where he's actually doing something like big or, or a Catwoman type character where mm-hmm. like... He's not evil, but he's, like, always looking out for himself. And he stole a bunch of treasure. Like, we couldn't give him something big. We had to go with the literal single apple. Yeah. I don't know. That that was the only part where I'm just like, we're really laying this on thick. The the whole Grand Vizier thing that they set Keldor up with in this, I feel like that kind of, I'm not saying it excuses it, but I feel like the way that they made that look, they have this look every time you see Randor, yeah. where it looks like he's under a spell. So I, I, I'm I, I'm inferring this. I'm not saying that's right. what happened, but there is this vibe because you always see Keldor whispering in Randor's ear, and then Randor will be the mouthpiece of whatever mm-hmm. Keldor's saying each time they visit him in the story. And I think there is this he, you know, Keldor is governing Eternos and Randor is a puppet for him oh, to, and, and it's, it's that whole thing. So it's like, you know, the old idea of somebody going against the law, well, they're going to get the maximum penalty, even if they just stole an apple and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it is a weird way to do it because I agree. If, if they're going to say he's a thief or if they're going to say that he's this or that, play it up to make it that he's like a a lovable rogue then instead of it being, you know, Oh, I'm stealing apples because I'm freaking hungry. It's like, right. Well, you know, I'm I'm, that's that, that doesn't add to your story in a heroic way. It adds to it in a very like, well, that sucks. (laughs) You know, like that's horrible day. I'm sorry, dude, you want a burger? I'll get you one or whatever. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But yeah, so they find the Isle of Grayskull where basically the entire castle grace goes like its own island, which yeah. was a really cool design. Mm-hmm. Um, and Adam enters this cavern to claim the power sword. And we go back to the Royal palace and they're promoting Tila up to uh, the man at arms, you know, since he was well dead. Apparently, because he was on the boat with Adam. Yeah. And we don't see him again. He doesn't pop back up at the end. Like, Jitsu and Adam are the only survivors. So, real stakes. I'll give him that. Yeah, real stakes. (laughs) And and then we see... This is where we see what the Keldorander relationship really is. Where, like you said, it's the Jafar Sultan, you Mm -hmm. know, thing. Where he's basically controlling him. He's his puppet. Um... And Adam, now as He-Man, shows up along with Jitsu to 
and takes down Keldor. Yeah, which, again, you know, this story ends in a way where it was just getting good. Right. And we end it on the moment where it's like, this would be the equivalent of, for anyone who, who enjoyed Revelation, like, He-Man just turned him, or Adam turned him, and battle and Cringer to yep. battle camp, and we got Skelegot over here, and then they just credits right after that. You're like, right. <laughs> well, I think seriously. the I think the whole thing, like I said, like it could have been interesting to play it out. Like this could have been a three issue story. Absolutely, you know, you play out the puppet is Keldor controlling Randor. Like, what's really going on here? Mm-hmm. Even, like you said, Adam in this is really interesting because he is a general in his father's army. You don't have any of the, you know, oh, Adam, uh, you're going to be a disappointment. You got to rule someday. Like, no, he's actually worked his way up and Randor, you know, entrusts him with this. Well, does he? Because really, Keldor is pulling the strings. Yeah. So you almost got to imagine that Keldor was like, well, this is a way... Because Adam is competent. He is gaining the trust of the army. He's his father. Like, he's going to be king. And, they, you know, Keldor's sitting there going, ooh, I can, I can make him chase this fairy tale mm-hmm. and get him out of the way. Yeah. You know? And that's all stuff that you infer. Like, there's great story threads in here. Um, this is one that definitely I could see played out. And then with, you know, I kind of mentioned Robin Hood earlier, or even you go to the Aladdin story, like there is a little bit of that, like, you know, coming back a changed man yeah. in this story. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, he found the aisle. You know, they even say, uh, let me get the exact quote. I think it was a page back. Uh uh, uh, yeah. In the far reaches, the king believed I would find a great artifact of untold power. What I found there instead was a trial, a test of my true nature. It's like, so there's a whole thing, too, mm-hmm. where, like, he went through this trial on the Isle of Skull, which allowed him to become He-Man, but also showed him the right way. Like, this is not the way we should go. And he says when he... Uh, you know, dethrones Keldor is like Eternals will not conquer anymore because that's mm-hmm. what they were doing. They were just going and conquering all the nations. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's all this stuff in here, this jam packed 12 page story where it's like, man, you could have taken any of the, these mm-hmm. threads and really played with them. Absolutely. And I mean, the, the other thing too, um, like last night, there were some people talking about it uh, in a group chat, and I, they were also complaining that the designs, even in this, because they're supposed like we, we there is the battle armor masterverse He Man. There's yep. also New Eternia um, Jitsu out and all that stuff. Yep. And the designs of these in the book are better in their opinion than what we're getting as the toys. Which now it's like. We're, we're, we're getting into that weird thing. Like when I was a kid, we had the toys, but then donation looked different. There were yep. definitely differences and all that stuff. So it, it amuses me on that level as well, where it's like, okay, you know, the comics are giving us something that we weren't expecting 
both for toys and for the stories and stuff. But I mean, there, there, there's some weird things in it to me though. Like um, one of the ones that real, I kept on looking at it going, did I miss something was so he, Adam breaks Jitsu out of his, out of the shackles. Yep. And then you see him swimming Jitsu to the beach but between there, for some reason, Adam has no battle armor anymore. He and dropped. I kept he drops it. Yeah. Did I miss that's what, it? And that's what he's complaining about. Uh, uh, because I he did. had to drop his stuff because mm. Jitsu has the, the hand. hand. Gotcha. All right. And that's heavy enough on its own. Mm. Yeah, if you actually look behind him when they're swimming away, you've got the the battle armor. This is this is where stuff. having comicsology sucks because I didn't yes. I like when I'm on comicsology I'm looking and I could not see that well enough. Yep. There's then again, the shin guard, there's the, the battle armor, and that's what he's saying. He's a damn damn or damn you, Gratorian. What could have been so worthwhile? You would risk that heavy damned abomination being fused to your wrist because that's what he's complaining. He's like, I had to give up all my stuff because I could uh, barely get you, me, in the hand, mm-hmm. like. <laughs> and it sets him up then on the aisle where he's the bare-chested, yeah, savage, He-Man. the savage He-Man. And the, so the, it was kind of cool. Well, the the other thing that got me was so Adam goes into the cave. Yep. Uh, so they uh, and that's that is one thing I will give credit to Tim Seeley for a lot is I think he wants to do a savage version of He-Man because he keeps going back to this. Like even in the yep. the multiverse one, he gave a little bit of the savage version that I love, sure. but we didn't get the full effect or anything. Yep. But he went there again. It's the cave of power idea. Yep. It, 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 except now it's Grayskull as the cave and all that stuff. But they have like Jitsu's out there on the beach. Adam goes in there, and Jitsu still keeps talking. And I kept thinking, like, yeah, he's out there on the beach talking. And I just, I, I wanted him to turn around and go. You still there? Oh, oh, he's gone. <laughs> it just—it was one of those moments that I could not help but play it up for comedy because it just really felt weird that he's out there and he's just having this monologue to himself while he's watching this sea monster. And I'm like, okay, yeah. but that's a nitpick. That's not really saying the story's good or bad. I'm just saying it amused yeah. the heck out of me with the timing and the way it was all handled there. Um, I like the fact. Well, number one, the Easter eggs of leading up to the Cave of Power. Yeah. You've got, like, the bust of King Grayskull and the bust of the jungle savage He-Man, like the plain Mm bare-chested He-Man and stuff. Then there's another guy on the other side. You can't really tell. It looks like he's got a cape. Maybe it's supposed to be Hero. But just kind of the idea of the champions and everything. But I, I like that, where it's like we stick with Jitsu. That's where we're he's kind of... I don't want to say pouting, but I can't think of the word I want. But like he's just kind of like completely like, it's it's Dante in clerks. Like I wasn't even mm-hmm. supposed to be here today. I wasn't supposed to be here today, yeah. I wanted to go to Turnos. <laughs> I did this, I did that. Uh, they ignored me. I stole the one apple and now here I am. And then it all ends with the katoom with the power <laughs> igniting in the cave. Mm-hmm. Like because you know me, I always like my little bit of mystery. I like Boba Fett's helmet on. Mm-hmm. I like not knowing Wolverine's real name. Yeah. Like, 
the fact that Adam went in and He Man came out, I'm good with that. Like mm-hmm. I don't. It always takes away a little something. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Mike Young Productions, but it always takes away a little something when you actually go like A, B, C. This is exactly what happened, or this exactly explains it. You know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. No, I, I, you think that you you go in there. It's like to this day, if I watch that the the beginning, the part that gets me is how the hell is he jumping to areas that sorcerers is flying to and all that. Stuff. I mean, I get it; it's a sci-fi yeah. barbarian world and all that stuff. But even even watching it the first few times, I'm like, I'm I, if it was me, I'd be like, I'm done. I'm going home. I don't know. My dad's just <laughs> captured. I, I got nothing left, you know. But um. Yeah, I, on this one, uh, this was one that I I wouldn't have minded seeing built out more from the concept mm-hmm. of it. Right, it's got so much going on. Mm-hmm. Um, easily, easily could build out from here. Um, last shout out I'll do to it is uh, Tila and pretty much her outfit, but evil lane colors. Yeah, that was a fun little just like, and again. That would have been another hint if you're playing this out, you know, in the long game. That, like, you know, at at first issue, you wouldn't know as much wrong. Okay, Keldor's trusted advisor, Randor, we got Adam, man-at-arms. Oh, look, they put Tila in a purple. And you're just like, okay. And then by the time you get to the end there, you're like, no, wait, Keldor's really in charge. Like, Mm -hmm. Tila, you know... Yep. It's just one of those fun little things that could come back. And then our second story, Man-at-Arms for Hire. This one surprised me. So the reason there's no colorist is because it's all black and white. Mm-hmm. Very Sin City. Yep. Very Sin City. Very much. And... Obviously, the coloring, but even I'd say the tone. I think oh, that's yeah. what they were going for. I haven't actually read Sensei City. Blah, blah, blah. I really can't talk today. <laughs> uh, but from um, what I know of it, like this v- feels very much uh, Sin City esque. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The the only thing like. Frank Miller goes full blown hard boiled detective mm-hmm. in it. This is this is not even remotely to that level with the writing, at least. But th- the vibe is all there to know right. that that's what the homage is. So yeah. And what really surprised me is this is actually like a what if on Revelation. Mm-hmm. They actually took so Man at Arms is working as a detective with Evelyn, mm-hmm. and he says it's basically the same thing except he was the only one that was banished from the palace. He Man was lost in battle. Randor found out that Man at Arms never told him what who Adam really was. He Man really yeah. was, and banished him, and so now he works as a detective. Mm-hmm. I like it. 
It's, so, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's almost Jeremy DeWitt's Beast Man and Man in Arms as roommates, but even yeah. better. Yeah. With him is. and Evelyn. So, I like it. I, I, it's not that I don't like it. My my only thing about this one, it really comes down to how does any of this really mash up with what Zodak's purpose is in the wraparound story? Because the whole point of what Sorceress is doing is showing her reasons why Adam is a good person to have the power. And in this one, it literally focuses only on man-at-arms and Miss Powers, as he calls her, mm. and, and they're on this case. And I'm reading it going like, this is a fun idea. Like, I would actually read issues of this because it, it, it is fun. to it, Like, you want to talk about flipping the script? You turn Man-at-Arms into a, into a detective with the technological know-how and the battle experience. And you just have them do these crazy, go into a bar, beat the crap out of too bad, and you know, get 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 the uh, get the information from the stool pigeon and the you know, whatever. But it it just felt like this is a great concept. But why is it in a book where she's trying to show why Zodak needs to realize this is who needs the power sword? Let's. I will answer that. I knew you would, but I don't know if I'll like your answer. <laughs> Let's run through the story we have first. All right. And then I will answer that. So it starts off with Duncan in his office drinking coffee. Uh, Evelyn, he, yeah, he keeps calling her Miss Powers. Miss Powers. They're, they're totally doing it, right? Oh, absolutely! It's it's That's like my a, boy. There, there, there's not there, this is this is not meant to be a spoiler in any way, shape, or form. There is a line in the new Ant Man movie where they basically ah. both. It's not that big of a spoiler. I'm telling All you right. that 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 um, <clears throat> Janet admits while she was in the quantum realm, she had needs, and him, Hank did the same thing. And then she's like, well, why didn't you stick with her? He's like, she wasn't you, baby. But there's that, like, yeah, but you still did a little something when you were lonely, though. (laughs) Yeah, got needs, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So Orko shows up looking Mm -hmm. to hire Duncan. They surprise that he he is still working with Evelyn. Um, And Orko has a problem. Orko has lost King Randor. He did a spell. King Randor disappeared. And Orko can't find him. So he created, they call it a Simicrom, which is basically a magic copy of a person. But it's not perfect copy. Yeah. <laughs> As we As see, we see. The, the fake King Randor likes to meow a yeah. lot. <laughs> it makes me wonder does he only do that at night when no one's around <laughs> because that's when they show him is like here's Marlena in bed and here's Randor standing there looking out the window going yeah and it's like did they did they uh 
does he do it all the time or is he resetting at night? Like, yep. That's the only thing that he can do. <laughs> well, I think that's all happened right now. Okay. So like it happened like, at night. It happened literally in like, five Orko minutes. Came right minutes over. of this happening. Got okay. Yes. All right. Because that that's the the ticking clock. Marlene is sleeping. Mm-hmm. And Orko is trying to find Randor before she wakes up. So mm-hmm. that's why he goes to Duncan. So that's why I took it. But we'll get a nice flashback kind of talking about Duncan's history. Uh, nice hit, young Duncan, young King Randor fighting horde troopers. Nice yep. secret of the sword reference there. Um, and then talking about basically that scene from Revelation where he gets banished, where you know at, they lost He-Man and Skeletor. Um. Yeah, Castle Grayskull closed up. Teela and Randor were betrayed. He had nothing, but he hooked up with Evelyn. And I, like I said, I think this is a cool little spin on that whole idea. Like, mm-hmm. okay, what does he do? It's not as extreme as Revelation took it. Like he just he's banished. Grace goes dark because they don't have a champion, you know. Then what do I do now? Yeah. Um, same with Snake Man, as we find out. So, uh, uh, and so Orko sneaks Duncan and Evelyn in to check out the crime scene. They find an orange hair, and so of course they go to find Beast Man, <laughs> which takes them to a local. Dive bar run by Trapjaw. Yeah, Cronus's pub, I think it's yep. called. Yeah, some, some great <laughs> filmation nods here. Uh, we've yeah. got we've got Blackbeard, uh, Strongarm, and um, oh my god, his name's escaping me. The other history historical figure. Rode the elephants. Oh, um, he's from Hall of Heroes, along with Blackbeard. I don't remember. I can't think of his name right now. I was, I was, I was going. God, to the wrong I can't believe I got stumped on this. <coughs> Excuse me. I thought the one was Coldar, or whatever. He was. He wasn't he like the no. new Coldar is okay. a hero. So then, never mind. No, you're probably thinking of Blackbeard. He's got yeah. The, like, well, well yeah, I think he had the beard, but. Yeah, I, I don't remember. Because the, the, the one I'm thinking of is Hannibal. Duh. Hannibal. Hannibal. With yes. the elephants, that would have been an easy one. I didn't realize that Hannibal, though. <laughs> I said elephants. Yes. You did, but I. Yeah, anyway. Anyway, they're all there. Spiker's there. Two bads there. And Duncan comes in and busts up the place. And I get it, just great scenes. Trap draws on Beast Man to pay his tab. Yeah. Like, you just see all these evil warriors <laughs> that are just like lost because they don't have a leader. Yeah. And so they all just get drunk and try and forget it. Even Trap Draw, like, he's got this pot belly now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's a, it's a fun little, like, what if of all mm-hmm. these characters to me. Excuse me. And once they, of course, once they see Duncan and Evelyn, 
where they feel betrayed them. Like they, they, it's a huge bar fight. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. <laughs> That's all I can I, say. I would have loved to see this animated on Revelation. Yes. That would have been a fun fight. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, and so the Beastman takes off in all the melee. <coughs> all right. Oh. You good? Be- yeah, Beastman takes okay. off in all the melee. And uh, Evelyn and Duncan follow him into the tar swamp. And, yeah, Man-Arms realizes that the tar swamp is filled with, uh, what is it? Portals. I lost the name of it. They actually, they have a crazy name for it, but it basically are dimensional gates or whatever. Or portals. Well, he's reminded of the Dwell of Delusions. A cursed keep where He-Man and I were trapped for days. Lost in memory and hallucination. Somehow the fog that pervades that place is here. Beastman, who was abandoned by his cruel master only to be rejected by his own kind, comes here for a cheaper escape than the mead he can no longer afford. So basically a fog that, like, makes you high. Yeah. And imagine things and forget. So, uh, yeah. This is this is the official entry of Jeremy DeWitt into Masters of the Universe. <laughs> I love you, Jeremy. I'm just kidding. Well, I'm thinking even harder than that. I'm thinking more of the opium dens. Yeah, well. like, that's <laughs> kind of what they're going for. Like Beastman just in a daze, a trance. It would have been kind of cool if they showed maybe like some skeletons in the, in the swamp. Like, you know, yeah. they're just there and it's the idea like well somebody didn't ever leave and they got stuck and they died here because they were just so high on this stuff all the time. Well Beastman would probably see skeletons because of Skeletor. Oh, that's yeah. what he you know because we see from Duncan's point of view he sees the ghosts of He-Man and Randor and Tila and himself back before everything went sideways. Yeah. So it's kind of that kind of thing. Um he d- he does confront Beastman. Beastman doesn't know anything, and then they accidentally fall through an interspatial portal generated what... by overuse of teleportation gates. Yeah. So basically, Skeletor messed up this whole area by using his gates too often, and now just these random portals open up. Yeah, that's what f- I meant earlier. Sorry, yeah. folks. Yep, yep. We were talking. <laughs> I knew what you were talking about. It I forgot about the fog like, making people high first because, yeah, so. Yep. But, yeah, portals. And that's when Duncan puts it all together because they fall into the throne room of the royal palace and he realizes that King Randor was never missing. That Simulcrom that Orko thinks he created is actually King Randor. Just neither of them can remember because of that fog. <laughs> Damn that fog. <laughs> I did not see that coming, and I really like that little twist. Like, in a, in a short story like this, there's only so much you can do yeah. with twists, you know? And I'm like, all right, I like that. Mm-hmm. So. On today's episode, I got high as hell. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Well, and then. Orca's just floating around. Wee! You know, it wraps up with 
Evelyn and Duncan talking, and he's kind of wondering if she knows a bit more about how that portal randomly opened than she's letting on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she doesn't know anything. She just likes watching him work. Oh, yeah. So she's staring at his butt, and he's watching hers, too. So... <laughs> So then we wrap up that story, and we head into our wrap-up with Zodak and Sorceress for this issue, and he is convinced that given an ordered and kind universe, Prince Adam of Eternals will wield the power for good and even share it with others to combat Skeletor's evil. But... The universe is not kind or ordered. It is cruel Mm -hmm. and chaotic. Friends and loved ones die. Grief destroys hearts. Makes souls cold and hard. He wonders if he's misunderstood his mission. Uh, And he's going to have to experiment. And he must make Prince Adam suffer. As he pulls out his pistol. Mm-hmm. So, very, very ambiguous. We're getting much more into that Zodak that's like, a Skeletor, the star seed's over there. Mm-hmm. Go get yep. it. Hey, He-Man, go grab that star seed. Let's see what happens. Yeah. All right, cool, you passed, you passed. Like, mm-hmm. this is very much that, all right, I got to be a little more proactive. Let's see what happens when I murder some dudes, apparently, mm-hmm. is where we're going from here. <laughs> is Zodak going to have to choke a bitch? <laughs> I, I'm down for it. Like, <laughs> um, Now, to answer your question. If you recall back in the beginning, you know, the first issue, she showed an atom in both realities that would... Do the, right, do the right thing, no matter the cost to him. Mm-hmm. Now, in this one, she says she's found arguments from those who encounter He-Man, those who call him friend and those who call him enemy, and more about his effect on others, which really, if we go back to the Jitsu story, it's about him being tolerant to someone that he first viewed as an enemy and bringing him over to his side, because at the end, they're united against Keldor. They found the real villain, mm-hmm. you know, and it's that the effect that not only, I mean, Jitsu was ready to give it up. He's like, I try going to Eternos. They shun me. But whatever happened in there, by the end there, he's like, he man's right hand dude. Like, let's go back. Let's save your father. Let's save the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it doesn't, again, that first story, there's so much going on there. It doesn't go that in depth any of it. But at the end of the day, that's what the sorcerer is showing. Like, look, he brings people over to his side. He makes others better. And then in the second story, it is a world that lost its he-man. And, I mean, it ends with Duncan saying, you know, neither of us retreats into the past for for another rainy night. Like, he's using his memories. We saw him in the tar swamp. His memories are of He-Man and the good that they did, and that's what keeps him going. Where no matter what, like, he could easily just go to that bar, get drunk, head out to the tar swamp, and just sit there every night. 
but he's still mm-hmm. doing what he can, when he can, for who he can. And that's yeah. because of the legacy of He-Man and how he inspired Duncan. Mm-hmm. I, for me, like, again, I like the concept of this quite a lot. Like, the you know, the um, Raymond Chandler kind of vibe about it and all yeah. that stuff. But it, it, it just, like, to show that, I don't know, it's like, I guess I would have liked to see a different take than this one, because this one is so... This one reminds me of, like, an episode of... Uh, if they did an episode of the show where all of a sudden they just went off the wall and just yeah. go, okay, Man-at-Arms is now a private detective, and, you know, Sorceress is going to be his girl Friday, and... You know, and just do something wacky like, oh, we have to find the power sword. There's this kid, Adam. He's, he's you know, coming in and it's all a dream at the end. You know, like Wizard of Oz or whatever. Right, That's right. That's more the way it felt to me. No, I, no, I can, I can, I can see, see that. that. So. Like, I completely get where you're coming from. I mean, I'm not saying it's the... Uh, I mean, let, let's be honest. At the end of the day... They're like they. I'm sure they came up with these stories, and then they're like, "How do we frame this together?" Yeah, you know. So I I keep thinking like uh, Tim Seeley probably has this He Man stories. I hope to write one day notebook, and he just threw down in front of his editor at Dark Horse, and he goes this, and they're like, "Well, how do we figure this out?" Sorcerers are talking to Zodak. Let's just do this. <laughs> and it's like, it's uh, to be honest, you know, out of the four stories that we've gotten out of this this overall book, I think all four of them are fun in one way or another. Agreed. I mean, I don't need the uh, Sunday Comics He-Man one at the end of the first issue. I, that worked as, okay, it's one thing and that's it. It's a once and done story in that comic. But the Gray Skull uh, Man story was great. The first story in this one, I, it, I mean, there's a ton of meat on that bone that you could go back to. And this one, just as an, a crazy, hey, let's put Man at Arms in the spotlight and do this kind of a story with him. Right, right. I was like, I never would have thought of that. And I love how it's, you know, it's changing my perspective on how this stuff Agreed. could work. No, it's just... Both these stories were a lot of fun. I think, I think these lent itself better to like. I could see a universe like this. Mm-hmm. You know, the first two were just like, all right, that was fun. But like these were like, no, like I could, I could really get into this. Agreed. So, our rating. Issue number two. And, no, and I think... Five? Was it? Huh? Are we out of five on this one? Can I explain it to you and no, the viewers? I'm, I'm just jumping to conclusions. We had a whole talk about this. <laughs> Shortly, you know, now that we're almost oh, we're 100 episodes there. in, we yeah. have finally devised our perfect rating system. Right up to episode 100, we finally have a rating system. We have a rating system that we're going to stick with. (laughs) You know, we've... Pulling back the curtain. 
We have discussed, and we've changed our rating system. We've been out of five. I think we've done out of ten. I think yeah. we did letter grades for once, or maybe we just threw it around. Like, mm-hmm. this is something we've been working on, and we think we finally perfected it. So you've got a rating system. You have one to three power swords. One power sword is good. One power sword, or two power swords is better. And three power swords is like perfection. So three, two, one. Mm-hmm. Then you've got a Zodak. That's the neutral. Right down the middle. You know, it was there. I didn't I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It, it, it sufficed. It's just Zodak. It's just there. Sitting in his chair watching. And then we got the Havoc staffs. Same thing. One to three. One Havoc staff. Ugh, that was bad. Two Havoc staffs. Oh, that was terrible. I can't believe they did that. Three Havoc staffs. All right, like that just killed the franchise. Why are we even bothering with this? Three Havoc staffs is kill it with fire. (laughs) You never want three Havoc staffs. So, Sean, I'll let you go first. Issue two of Masterverse. I'll go with... I'll go with two power swords because I like that it showed me a different way of looking at a character in this one. And and the meat on the bone left for that first story, if they go back to it, I would actually want to keep reading what else happens. And that's yeah. that's the mark of a good story. If it hooks you and makes you want to keep furthering the story. So, yeah. Yeah, I gotta go two power swords as well. They were excellent setups, excellent execution, excellent art. I actually like the art in all three. Like you said, the the new Eternia, they took those designs and they made them a little bit more, like they refined them, which I think the toys could have taken another pass, especially that battle armor He-Man. But they, they took care of it here. Uh, the black and white Sin City style, amazing. And of course, Eddie Nunez on the framing is always awesome. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed both stories. And I liked the cliffhanger of, you know, Zodek about to pop something. Someone. So, like, not only was this enjoyable cover to cover, but I'm actually like, where are they going with this? Yeah. Was Zodak actually meddling with some of these universes? And how is that going to have repercussions? I, I still say, you know, I wish that uh, this still was out before the multiverse book. Because it, the, it, for, for a couple of reasons. One is just the idea of this working the way it is would have been a, such a better way of picking up these stories and running with them in the multiverse. That, that to me is like so wasted and it bugs me. But on the other hand too, it's like, I don't know. It just, it's, these are the, this is, is almost me wanting to, to apologize for Tim Seeley for how much I didn't like that other book and that I really didn't want him touching masters anymore after the multiverse, uh, miniseries and now i'm like i'm enjoying his his take on this stuff and it's refreshing surprisingly to me and uh that that's kind of mind-blowing in this moment because 
I didn't mind him in the Injustice one with with Masters, but then that multiverse one just grounded to a halt for me on so many levels. Like I hated a lot of that book, and I know there's a lot of people that loved it, but this is making me like, wow, Tim Steele has got a pretty cool take on some of this stuff. I really wish I had that he was given that chance to shine before that other book got in there. So, yeah. Well, and I mean, no offense, Tim Seeley, when you listen to this, but like one of our problems with multiverse was, you know, it really felt like he was cobbling along as he went along. And he even said that in an interview that like, mm-hmm. he doesn't necessarily know where his stories are ending before he starts. That's the beauty of this anthology, these short stories. Like, you don't have to worry about a long play. Like, this is it. It's 12 pages, 10 pages, whatever it is. And that's it. And I I even pointed that out when we were speculating before the first issue. Like, this might work better to his writing style. Where he doesn't have to think about the long play. And he just can go, all right, Sin City, Man-at-Arms, and Evelyn. And boom, yeah, you know. So, I, I feel like the, yeah. the the creativity that's on display in this is so much more interesting than that other book too. And that's, I, I, I mean, for me, it's refreshing. You have the creativity of the Sunday Comics version of He Man, which you know, I'm sure there's some people out there that hated that because it's making fun of the concept. But for me, I thought it was fun. I thought it really was funny. And it's like when you get into what they're talking about and, and and when you, it's almost like you take it from a different perspective of how that origin went in the Savage canon. Right. And yeah, it might have gone that way. And it just turned out we got the King James version. You know, I mean, for lack of a better term, it's we had a sanitized version of what that really was. But really that jungle he-man was kind of like, he just fell down a cliff one day and, and there's battle cat and you know, yeah. whatever else happens. And, and, um, well, and that's my key with that is, and I'm sure some people felt that it was making fun of the concept. Mm-hmm. I felt it was having fun with the concept. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's Absolutely. the big difference for me. Yeah. You know, you can't just make fun of it, but you can have fun with it. Absolutely. And, I mean, so two issues in. Is this a six-issue series? How many issues was it? Four. Four? So that's, all right, so basically now, like, the whole idea, now we're teetering on the other side. It's probably going to get a lot more crazy and a lot more. I mean, the next issue is more new Eternia because we have the barbarics or savage Skeletor or whatever they're calling them. We have the new return of Beast Man, Viking Skeletor, and um, and kind of Viking He Man as well. But he doesn't look exactly like the toy version, at least not on that promo uh, image and for the cover. So, that actually does look pretty close. Though. I, I I'll take that back. He does look pretty darn close. Right, it's just it's just the artisticness of it. Uh, I'm I'm not used to seeing the big muscles, and when I see the big muscles and I see the way the the master verse line is, it's very much like Marvel Legends versus oh, remember the vintage versions of He-Man? Yeah, he had a freak. He was built, you know, like 
It's like now, now everybody's athletic <laughs> and Olympian looking. <laughs> so for next time, issue three. Mm-hmm. Tensions rise as a sorceress of Grayskull shows Zodak heroes influenced by He-Man from across the multiverse. In an Eternia ravaged by war and left shattered, a goddess known as Tila must free the Beastman Shaman from a tribe of superstitious barbarians. And when a drunken group of explorers who jokingly call themselves Masters of the Universe run ashore on the Isle of Grey Skulls, they must decide if saving a captured sorceress is as important as procuring loot. Masters of the Universe, Masterverse. On sale April 12th. <laughs> so it looks like they're kind of going and that seems to be the thing so like a serious and then a more lighthearted, lighthearted. Yeah. even though here I think they were both kind of serious but like Sin City was like a it was still a departure yeah you know more something more traditional and something really off the wall mm-hmm. agreed I'm looking forward to it you know, these first two, I've enjoyed all four stories so far. And I like what they're doing with the wraparounds. And, yeah. Uh, should be fun. I, I am pleasantly surprised each issue this comes out that I'm enjoying it as much as I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I was not expecting that at all. So, kudos. Kudos to Tim Seeley and that crazy... He-Man stories I want to write one day notebook you probably <laughs> brought into Dark Horse and threw down on that table and the editor goes, well, what do you want to do? All of them! <laughs> okay. Do it. <laughs> do it. Do it all. Just do it. Alright, Sean. I think that's a show. Anything Actually, you want to say to her? Oh? oh. There's, there was one more comment made on the uh, post because I forgot to turn off comments for it. Oh, and at the buzzer. Who's our buzzer? And at the buzzer. And ironically, he was already name dropped in this episode. Mr. Jeremy DeWitt. Oh. And I got got to hug him multiple times. Isn't he great to hug? Yes. He's like a teddy bear come to life. It's crazy. Um, So his, his question is when are both of you going to a show? are going to show up together at an event that all of us are at. We need a group photo, bitches. <laughs> Agreed. And I think the only possibility this year is Legion's Con. For me, Legion's Con is... I, I really wish I could go to Power Con, but I don't think financially that's a good idea right before Legion's Con at this point. Yeah, at, at least not right now. I won't be able to go to like I gotta choose one or the other. Mm-hmm. You know? So yeah, I think that's gonna be our chance. But I agree, we do all need to be in the same room. We need a group shot. Uh we need to wrestle for who gets to keep doing a master's podcast and who has to keep it up. So You realize I mean I'm not I'm not exactly a real thin by any stretch of the imagination because my son loves to call me fat daddy all the time at home. But if we've tried to wrestle Steve and Jeremy, you realize we're probably not making that one work in our favor, right? We just have to be smarter. <laughs> well, we do, but that doesn't necessarily the, mean physically. The two of us are more active. Okay, we just run around Steve yeah, until he right. passes out. 
Jeremy will like, just sit it up. He's like, I'm not going to do this. I got better things to do. He'll just sit there and tinker on his guitar Jeremy, while you and I, I will, are dealing with Steve trying to be an alpha I will and him getting frustrated. Some, some magical herb. Yeah. And <laughs> he will just pass out. And, and uh, it'll be uh, you and me will be like the uh, the planes going up against King Kong on top of the Empire State Building to fight Steve, <laughs> which means he'll eventually get tired. It's yeah. nine o'clock. I need to go to bed, and he'll just walk. Yeah. Out. Oh, I can. By TKO, I can easily <laughs> stay up later than him. Done. Done. <laughs> well, anyway, right. that's your answer, Jeremy. We will be there. He is. We will be at Legion's Con. Thank you all for tuning in. Do me a favor, hit that like, share, subscribe, all that. And until next time, go read a comic. Oh, come on. Oh!